From the Los Angeles Times, this is Coronavirus in California, stories from the front lines. I'm Gustavo Arellano. It's Monday, April 27th. Today, some of the first images that showed just how much coronavirus would change day-to-day living weren't of victims or hospitals, but of grocery stores. Whether you shop at Trader Joe's or Northgate or Vallarta, your corner Mercadito or Costco, long lines and empty shelves quickly became a thing and still are. Before, you couldn't find toilet paper. Now, it's yeast. Pam Hill lives all of this daily. She's a cashier at an Albertsons in South L.A. and a shop steward for UFCW, the union that represents over 46,000 grocery store employees across Southern California. Pam and her fellow workers are tired and feel unappreciated. So give them a shout out next time you see them, okay? Blue Shield of California would like to take this moment to thank the mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers, daughters, sons, friends, and heroes on the front line. This fight is tough, but so are you. And we're grateful for your courage and your dedication to keeping us all safe and healthy. Thank you. So Pam, when did you and your coworkers realize, oh, this coronavirus is totally going to change the way we're working right now? I'm going to tell you, I work at a grocery store, so I am a checker. And I believe it was around the first part of March when we seen the influx of people coming in. And I mean, they were buying like crazy. I mean, I was ringing up orders for six, seven hundred dollars. And I'm like looking, the lines never ended. And I'm like, okay, so like what's really going on? Like, why are these all these people in here uh, shopping like this? Because normally we don't get people that shop like that unless it's like the week of Thanksgiving. So when we seen all these people coming in like this, we were like, what is going on? So it wasn't until I came home and I saw the news that it was like, oh, and I'm like, oh, that's why we were like super inundated with people because of this virus and people were panicking. I mean, they were, you know, buying up all the toilet paper and the toilet tissue and we didn't understand it at first. Yeah, panic buying. You hear about coronavirus, you go in the next day, what do all the workers start talking to each other about? The second day we're like bombarded again and we're sitting up here saying, okay, so now we understand what it is and why these people are in here like this, the coronavirus, you know, then we started getting concerned for our own safety because there were so many people in the store. Um, I mean, we were doing record sales that we have never done in the month of March. By this time, we're like, okay, well, what about us? You know, all these people, you know, they're around you, they're on the sides of you. You know, the customers in the line, you know, they started talking about it. We got like a lot of misinformation from listening to the customers because I am, you know, African-American. So a lot of them were saying, oh, well, you know, I don't know why these people are going crazy like this because, you know, us in the African-American community, we can't get it. Wow. Yeah. And unfortunately now the coronavirus seems to be disproportionately hitting African-Americans. Correct. And that was just something I don't know if, if somebody put it out on social media. I believe that's where mainly most of them got it from. And then they were coming back and, you know, we were, you know, we would talk about it in the lines. And of course, I fell into it, too. I was like, oh, OK, because I didn't know anybody at the time that, you know, that had it. So I'm like. Oh, okay, well, then that must be true. And then when I start seeing, I'm like, okay, well, no, that's not true. Uh, We are getting it in record numbers. 
Yeah, in those early days, people really didn't know. Oh, maybe it's a flu. Maybe it's this, this, and that. But eventually, stuff started getting serious. So, at what point do yourself and your coworkers say, "Okay, we really got to change things. We got to do the social distancing. We got to start wearing masks." When does that start coming in? On the twenty eighth or the twenty seventh of March, we found out that someone in our store tested positive for the coronavirus, and then from that point, it was okay. Wait a minute. This company needs to stop social distancing people. We can't have all these people in the store. People were nervous. They were uh, upset because the company knew on the 17th of March that this person tested positive, and we didn't find out until the 28th. So naturally, a lot of us were nervous, scared because we interact with this person. The company came in and sent in a disinfecting crew or something like that to disinfect it. But I'm like... Okay, well, that's beside the point now because today is the 28th and you guys are saying this person came down infected on the 17th. So I'm trying to figure out, like, why now are we doing this when, you know, it should have been done before. You know, I felt that the store should have closed down. They should have sent somebody in there to clear. Because not only that, we also had a second person that tested positive. And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, no, 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 I can't do this. So I put myself on a 14-day quarantine because if you're not taking my health seriously, I have to take my health seriously. Uh, How did your union, United Food and Commercial Workers, react to everything that you folks were asking them? So I contacted my union rep and let them know that when I first found out that somebody had tested positive in our store, I let them know right then and there and what, you know, actions and so forth can they do, what can we do, and so forth. And then I think that's when they started putting pressure on the company. Then that's when all the social distancing came up. And then I would say maybe like a few days later, maybe even a week later, the store hours kind of changed. And then they started only letting so many people in the store at one time. Because at the time, we didn't have gloves. We didn't have sanitizer. We didn't have masks. We just recently got masks from the company since Eric Garcetti had gone on um, the TV and and said that every um, store, essential business or whatever, have to give their employees masks. Because at the time, Albertson's stand was that, well, the mask doesn't really do anything. So therefore, if if the employees want to wear one, that's fine. But we're not going to supply them. This LA Times podcast is presented by Blue Shield of California. The fight is tough, but so are you. Thank you, Frontline. This advertiser has no influence over editorial decisions or content. So, Pam, we're more than a month into the stay-at-home orders that Mayor Garcetti and Governor Newsom put into effect back around mid-March. Is it as busy now at the markets as it was when coronavirus first hit the news? It, it depends. It kind of drops off and then it comes back on. And then once, you know, they started shutting everything down in the city, well, you know, the restaurants closed, the, you know, the gyms closed, everything closed down. And we were the only ones that were open. And to have somewhere to go, everybody came to the grocery store because you see these same people day in, day out, day in, day out, 
I'm like almost over it. And I know that once this stimulus money comes in, I already told my coworkers we're going to have another uh, fluctuation of people coming in. When's the busiest time of the day usually? Sometimes it's either early in the mornings. Like when the store opens up at six o'clock, you already have a line out there ready to come in. And then somewhere between 4.30 and 5, especially for some people that are still working and they, you know, they're coming out to get dinner or they're coming out to get food or whatever like that. Now, they did make it so that only between the hours of 6 and 7 that the seniors and people with disabilities and pregnant women and so forth come in the store and, and shop at those times so that, you know, they can have the time to get things that, you know, maybe they couldn't get because, you know, the panic buying and so forth. And then after that, after seven o'clock, then you have the regulars come in. So toilet paper, obviously, yeast, baking powder, tortillas, bread. A lot of those are best sellers right now. But what are some things that you thought would never sell that all of a sudden are going off the shelves like crazy? Well, I really didn't think that the toilet paper and the paper towels would fly off the shelf like it did. I mean, I expected water because water always sells like that. But paper towels and toilet paper, uh, soups, canned goods. What are those things that my kids used to eat those when they were little? Um, Chef Boyardee, little canned things, um, corned beef hash that's in the can. Peanut butter sold out really fast. Um, bread we couldn't keep on the shelf. Um, still, if you go down the toilet paper aisle, you won't see any. And eggs. Eggs was one of the ones, I think, also that kind of like sold out like real fast. I was going to ask you, what, what are some things that you thought would sell a lot, but they haven't really sold that much? I mean, you could go now down the cereal aisle and it's kind of like where all the other aisles are kind of like, oh, it's kind of shaky in here. Uh, cereal aisle is mainly still intact. Frozen foods has never uh, sold out like it has, but like frozen vegetables and pizzas, that stuff is like really has like taken off. And now it's hair dye, which I don't understand that either. Yeah, people got to look nice. For who? <laughs> <laughs> If you're not going anywhere, who you who you uh, who you gonna look nice for? But yeah, now hair dye is like the big thing now that's like flying off the shelf. Like, okay, I don't understand it, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, to each their own. How have shoppers changed? Like in the early days, I'm sure they're all super freaked out and whatnot. Are they a little bit more respectful now? How, how are you seeing that the shoppers change? They come in, they're still complaining. You know, we don't have certain stuff on the shelf. They're complaining. We get some of them complaining because it's only every other check stand that's open. So all of them are not open. So the social distancing thing, I think they get, but they don't like waiting in the line. And then the other thing that they're complaining about is they think that the company is raising the prices ridiculously. So what's the best thing then that shoppers can do to treat you folks, uh, all you grocery store workers? Like, can they say thank you? What can they do? Like, what, what would you as a grocery store worker want shoppers to be able to do for you or say to you? You know, respect the social distancing. When you come up, you know, don't be hollering and screaming at us about, you know, we don't have things on the shelf because it's not in our control. Don't scream and holler at us because the prices are that you consider to be high because that's not in our control either. You know, just be respectful and just know that we're in here. We're trying our hardest. Um, you know, we're working long hours. You know, we're not getting the chance to, you know, see our families. And, you know, we're, we're, we're still coming out here, you know, working. And some of us, you know, we were coming out in the beginning without any kind of protection to serve you guys. And so, you know, that's just the main thing is just being respectful and saying thank you. Well, thank you for this interview, Pam. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. 
That's it for today's episode of Coronavirus in California, Stories from the Front Lines. Thanks for listening. Do you have a story you want to share with us? Call our hotline at 213-986-5652 and leave us a message. That's 213-986-5652 or email me, gustavo.arellano at latimes.com. This podcast was hosted by me, Gustavo Arellano. Our producers are Paige Heimson and Stan Lee. Our senior producer is Rena Palta, and our executive producer is Abby Fentress-Swanson. Our engineer is Mike Heflin, and our original music was composed by Andrew Epen. If you like our podcast, subscribe and leave us a five-star review on Apple. Special gracias to Julia Turner, Shelby Grad, Hector Becerra, and Clint Schaff. For the latest coronavirus stories by my LA Times colleagues, including an up-to-the-minute tracker of cases across California, don't forget to visit our website. Right now, access to facts has never been more important, and the LA Times is in the business of reporting them. Stay connected and subscribe, because your subscription supports the production of podcasts like this one and our award-winning journalism. Visit latimes.com slash support LA Times to subscribe. Stay safe and see you tomorrow.